Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. Please turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 2 for our reading this morning. If you're just joining on us, joining with us online this morning, we welcome you to the uh, 10 a.m. service of Whitestone Christian Fellowship here in upstate New York. We are having one of the most unusual winters that we've had in a long, long time. Uh, we usually have an average an average snowfall of some 80 to 90 inches every year, and we're struggling at 10 inches here this <laughs> this year uh, so far through the winter. And yes, there's some storms ahead, no doubt, but it'd be difficult to get up to our usual normal snowfall levels. There are things going on in the world that we need to be aware of. And the Lord has been faithful to show us in His Word. So please join me. Our reading this morning is from Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And we will, uh, we will go back further in the book. We started to look at end times prophecies last week as uh, they pertained to the record of Luke in the 21st chapter of his Gospel. We're looking more today at Ezekiel chapter 38, more end times prophecy, and this is coming from a prophet filled with the Spirit who was also carried away in the captivity into Babylon. And so he speaks to the, to the faithful from Babylon. He's there with them. So in Ezekiel chapter 2, Read with me the first seven verses of the book, of the chapter. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake to me, and set me upon my feet, and I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. For they are an impudent children, stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they whether and God and they whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there has been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. 
and thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. What an interesting opening line we have to this chapter. Speaking of his rebellious children, Israel, it's rather, I guess, disheartening. We went through the book of Jeremiah last year and the year before, and we found that Jeremiah had a similar situation. He was told to speak God's Word to the people. And he was also told, but they will not listen. They will not hear you. <laughs> they will fight you at every turn. And these were, these were the, the Jews that were the remnant after the first after the first invasion and carrying away of the northern tribes into Babylon. The people were waiting for the next wave to come and take away the Jews from Judea. And they were convinced they were immune from the attacks because they had the temple in Jerusalem. <laughs> they did not they did not run to the temple. They did not run to their God for refuge. They still continued in their own rebellious ways. Ezekiel faces a similar situation. People will not hear. The Lord has already warned him don't be afraid of them. You're speaking my words. Don't be afraid of them or their looks. They're a rebellious lot. And yet God still remained faithful to them in spite of their sin, in spite of their ignoring His commandments, in spite of breaches of the law. God still loved them because He still had something in mind because it was going to be through their lineage that the Savior of the world was yet to be born. As we look at Ezekiel, we're, we're at about uh, 600 B.C. And the words that Ezekiel writes cover about 21 years of the captivity in Babylon. So with all of that in mind, it sets, the, it sets this, the picture of Ezekiel's ministry to the Jews that are still in Babylon with him. In Ezekiel 38, we have some, some surprising things that come to mind. And I, I think before, before I take you there... Uh, for the main part of the study, I would like you to turn to Genesis chapter 10. It's an amazing revelation of the family of Noah. In chapter 10 of Genesis, beginning with verse 1, it says, Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah. Shem, 
Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were born sons after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, and Magog, and Medai, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshech, and Tiras. Tubal, and Meshech, and Tiras at the end of verse 2 of chapter 10. And the sons of Gomor, Ashkenaz, and Rephath, and Togarma, and the sons of Javan, Elisha, and Tarshish, Ketim, and Dodanim. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after their families, and in their nations. And the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mizraim, and Phut, and Canaan. And the sons of Cush, Seba, and Havilah, and Sabta, and Rayama, and Sabcheka. And the sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Deman, and Dedan. And Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Nimrod went forth, and Asher, it says, builded Nineveh and the city of Rehoboth and Kalah. So we see what, what the Lord is doing is He's giving us a background on the descendants of Noah, their children and their children's children, and naming them and saying these are the ones that populated the earth as the people of the creation after the flood continued to spread civilization. Some of the names that we just read you're going to recognize in Ezekiel chapter 38. Because the sons of Noah went in three different directions. From, from Ararat and outward. They went east, they went north, they went west, and they went south. So Ezekiel begins to write here in chapter 38. And he says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Meshach and Tubal were two of the sons that we read of two of the descendants of Noah. And they, he was, uh, uh, they were, they were, those were the chief cities of a, of a region called Magog. But set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince, of Meshach and Tubal. 
and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog. Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now this is kind of an interesting thing here. If you, if you have a King James, that first verse in, th- in chapter 38, it says, In the word of the Lord, and the Lord is all in caps. It is traditionally uh, a trans- translated from Jehovah. So this is, this is God. This is the Father. And it says, Son of man, set thy face against Gog and the land of Magog and the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now, we might read this as son of man. He's talking to Ezekiel. But I think there's another son of man that he's speaking with. And in verse 3, we find that thus saith the Lord God. And here we have the Lord with just a capital L. This appears to be the second person of the Trinity. Thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. So there could be some confusion as you read this just because of the capitalization of the word Lord and the lack of it in the second use of the word Lord. When it says in verse 2, Son of Man, yes, it could be Ezekiel, but who else do we call the Son of Man in the New Testament? It's Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. So that is exactly what I perceive is happening here Ezekiel is being addressed, but so also is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. And though this is, the, this is 600 years before Christ was even born, the second person of the Trinity was always with the Father. He was the Word of God that came to earth and became flesh. So, Gog of the land, the chief prince of Magog, the prince of Meshach and Tubal, God is against him. And not only is Ezekiel telling us about it, but the Lord God is declaring it. I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. Now this is, this is the second person of the Trinity that's speaking. I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields and all of them handling swords, What we're going to be seeing here is an alliance of countries and an alliance of people and peoples and ethnicities that are against Israel. 
that are against God's chosen place, that are against God's chosen people. This alliance is formed with not only Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tubal, but it is with what we're going to read here in verse 5. Persia, which is modern-day Iran and Iraq. Ethiopia, still on the shores of Africa, south of the Sudan. Libya, that wonderful homeland of Muammar Gaddafi. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shields and helmets. Gomer. Gomer is the traditional progenitor of the Celts. And the Celts are interesting because they spanned from the region of Eastern Europe with Hungary and Romania, and they spread north and westward through Germany and northern France and into the British Isles. Because we usually think of the Celtics as Irish. But their roots are here in the Old Testament in the land of Gomer. All of these people, all of these armies have come together to fight against Israel. And if you ever look at a map of Israel today, you'll see how small it is. Seven Israels. Seven Israels fit into the size of New Jersey. Or, if you're more frequent with the Great Lakes, seven Israels would be able to fit into Lake Erie. It's a very small country. In some parts of it, it's only 12 miles wide. And you can traverse it north to south within a few hours. But it is God's land that He gave to the Jews in the Scriptures. So Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma, of the northern quarters, Togarma is Turkey, and the northern quarters leads us to northern Turkey, which is still all part of Gomer. Because they started in Turkey and went over to central western or central eastern Europe and developed further. And all his bands and many people with thee, be thou prepared. And prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard to them. So protect your army. I'm against you, but go ahead and protect your army because they're going to need it. They're going to be fighting against God and His will and His plans for creation. 
Be thou prepared and prepared for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled with thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter days thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword. The land that is brought back from the sword is Israel. You're going to be drawn. You won't be able to resist. The Lord Jesus will have put hooks in your jaw and you will not be able to resist Him drawing you in. Now, all of these people are all heathen tribes. None of them are Jews except the fact that they came from the same lineage as Shem. Ham, and Japheth, fathered by Noah. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword. It was in, it was in 70 A.D. when the Roman army had had enough, when Rome had had enough of Israel and all the problems that they found there because of the Jewish population, the faithful of God, even the stiff-necked faithful of God. But they were, all, they were all exiled out of the land in 70 A.D. by General Titus, who went about destroying every temple and every city that the Jews had built. Israel became a wasteland. But 2,000 years later, in our lifetime, May 1948, after World War II, after the Holocaust, the League of Nations got together, and that was the beginning of the, of the United Nations. They got together and they gave Israel and the refugees from the Holocaust back to their land, Israel, for a place to live. And it was almost immediately that little Israel brought back from the sword found itself in the war of independence between the Palestinians and themselves. There was no nation called Palestine. It was what was referred to as Palestine was Israel. It was the Romans that named it Palestine, which was actually an insult to the Jews because it was a it was a derivative of the Philistines who were the natural enemies to Israel. It was the Philistines where Samson went in and collapsed a temple upon himself to show that the God of the world, of the whole earth, was with him. So right away when Israel got back into the land, that was 1948 and 49. A few years later in 1956, it was the Suez Crisis. In 1967, it was a six-day war. 
with Israel crushing the Palestinians that lived there. In 1973, it was the Yom Kippur War. In 82, it was the Lebanon War. And in 2006, it was the Second Lebanon War. And it was in that Second Lebanon War that Hezbollah had gained much power up in Lebanon. It was incredible. They nearly won the war. They took some hits. Israel took some hits from Hezbollah. But that was 2006. Hezbollah still has not taken over any of the land of Israel. They're still remotely located in Lebanon. So it's an amazing situation what is being said here. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Israel does dwell safely right now. It's incredible. This little country formed by immigrants brought back into the land, people from all over the earth, from Russia, from Germany, from France, all over Europe, from the United States. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel which have always been waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. And that's where Israel is now. They are dwelling safely in their own land. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. It should actually, this is conjecture on my part, but I personally believe that they're going to come up and they're going to be like a swarm. A swarm of insects. Just like Pharaoh discovered when the grasshoppers came, the locusts came upon Egypt. You shall come like a storm. And why is that? It's because of all of these different people. The people of Magog, the people of Meshach and Tubal. And I don't want to go too far here before we understand that Meshach is a root word for what we call Moscow. When we look at the, uh, when we look at the, the term here, the chief prince of Meshach, uh, the word chief here is Rosh. And it is where we get the idea of Russia. So the Russian prince, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, Meshach is Moscow. Tubal is about 1,000 to 1,200 miles uh, east of Moscow. It is the town of Tobolsk. 
in mid-Russia. I will turn these back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thy army and horses and horsemen with them clothed in Persia, Ethiopia, Libya with them, with all shields and helmets, Gomer and all his bands, that's Turkey uh, in the northern parts, they go up into Eastern Europe. Some of those are former communist bloc countries. But we also have to note that as all of these old as all of these old tribes of people gathered together, they basically formed a halo around Israel. And they're all coming back to fight against Israel. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm that shall be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands, and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come to into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest and dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, speaking of the Jews, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. And what we have to remember as we read all of prophecy, that Israel is the central focus of prophecy. It's not the United States. It's not Great Britain. It's not Iran and Iraq. Israel is the central focus of all prophecy in Scripture. So all of these people that are dwelling in the land, they're dwelling peacefully. They have acquired cattle and goods. And it's interesting And when we, when we think about goods, the Jews have turned Israel into such a garden place that there are no crops that they don't grow. Whether they be tropical plants, whether they be flowers, in fact, Israel exports tulips to Holland. Incredible. You can drive down the road and you can see a banana grove. And right next to, right next to it, an orange grove. And next to that, a pineapple grove. There's nothing that they don't grow and there's nothing that they don't export to the rest of the world. When we think about the, the tulips that are sent off to Holland, there is, a, uh, there is a 747 cargo plane loaded every day to take off from Tel Aviv to deliver those bulbs, those plants 
to Holland and from there to the rest of the world. It is a land that has become fruitful because of the faithfulness of the Jews to work the land. And it's also interesting to note that since the Babylonian captivity, they have reunited back into one singular nation. There's no more division between the northern and the southern tribes. There's no more two places to worship God in Shechem or in Jerusalem. There's only one place, and that's Jerusalem for them. And yet, there are squatters on the land of Israel that inhibit that inhibit the free worship the free worship of God in the midst of all of this as as Russia and all of these countries go up to take a spoil in Israel in verse 13 it says Sheba and Dedan this is Arabia Saudi Arabia and the merchants of Tarshish that's all the way out into into western Europe southern France southern France and Spain and all the young lions thereof this seems to be uh, an allusion possibly to the United States and Canada. Therefore shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, and to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? So there's an objection that comes in the midst of their of the Russian alliance coming to take a spoil, coming to invade the countries. And it's interesting that right now Russia has invaded a sovereign nation to its south, the Ukraine. Horrendous destruction in the Ukraine. 200,000 Russian soldiers have been killed. And many, many Ukrainian soldiers also in the battles. Sheba and Dedan, Saudi Arabia, the merchants of Spain and southern France, and all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Are thou come to take a spoil? Are you coming to invade and take a spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, thus saith the Lord God. In that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? It's going to be common knowledge. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts out of the north parts. If you go from the city of Jerusalem on that meridian and go due north, you run directly into Moscow. Art thou, shalt thou come from thy place out of the north parts, thou 
and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army, because gas prices are too high. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> and thou shalt come up against thy people of Israel. You will come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and it shall be in the latter days. And I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know me. And when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes, thus saith the Lord God, art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them. In that day, These, this alliance of other powers, Saudi Arabia, southern France and Spain, maybe the United States, maybe Canada, they're going to say, you're going to do this to them? No wonder, he says, speak to Meshach and Tubal, the chief prince, I'm against you because now you're fighting against my people, my chosen people, my beloved, in the place where I have given them. Never before in history has a conquered people been expelled from their country and 2,000 years later regained it. That's God's faithfulness to Israel and His people. I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know me. Then I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou, art, art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them. When Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. God is not going to be happy with these people. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my words have I spoken surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all men that are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. This speaks of a tremendous earthquake. A tremendous earthquake. Now, one of the things that we, we read just a little while ago was about Tugarma, Asia Minor, Turkey as we know it. And their neighboring country, Syria, 
that region along the border is known as Cappadocia. And that is exactly where they have suffered back-to-back seven-point-something earthquakes. The last time that an earthquake hit, and obviously it's on a fault line, the last time an earthquake hit there was in 1939, and uh, 30,000 people lost their life in the earthquake. That same thing is going to repeat, but on a much larger scale. Because the mountains are going to fall down, the walls will fall down, and the face of the earth shall shake in my presence. The mountains thrown down, the steep places shall fall, every wall shall fall to the ground. It's going to be leveled. While the armies of Israel's enemies are standing on it, how many will be consumed in the fissures? or in the collapse of buildings, or in the throwdown of mountains, and every wall. In verse 21 it says, And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. So now there's going to be such confusion because of the earthquake that it's going to be every man for himself. And the armies that are there in Israel to take a spoil are going to be fighting for their lives. They're going to be looking for food, clothing, and shelter. They're going to be looking for supplies because their supplies from Gog and Magog and Meshach and Tubal have been cut off. It will be like a civil war within the armies. There will be confusion. Every man's sword sword will be against his brother. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain a great hailstones, great hailstones of fire and brimstone. This is going to make Sodom and Gomorrah look like a field day. I'm going to read overflowing rain. That's floods. Great hailstones of fire, brimstone. This is not going to be a good time to be alive in that part of Israel. Death and destruction will surround the armies that have invaded little Israel. And there will be no place to hide. There will be no place to hide. I can't help but think we've, they've, got, they've got the Mediterranean Sea and to the west and they've got this fissure called the Jordan, where the Jordan River flows on the east. There's going to be no place to hide. They, have, they will have trapped themselves. 
But when we think about the judgments that have befallen God's enemies in the past, pestilence, blood, rain upon his bands, upon the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain, that's a flood, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Those are judgments that God has used in the past against his enemies. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. There was an instance in the New Testament in the Acts of the Apostles as, as the Pharisees and the chief priests fought against Jesus Christ and later after the resurrection they fought against the apostles gathering together and continuing to preach the message that Christ had sent them with. A wise Pharisee, one of their chiefs, was named Gamaliel. And he came to the Pharisees and he said, you know, let them alone. We have seen others in the past who claim to be the Redeemer, who claim to be the Holy One of Israel, and they've all come to naught. If what these apostles are doing now is of their own strength, they won't be able to sustain it. But if it's from God, you will find yourselves fighting against God. And that is a no-win situation. And from there on, the apostles freely shared the Word of God. Not without some difficult times here and there. But the Pharisees stopped badgering them. And Christianity spread. And the love of God spread. And His Word spread. Even to the Gentiles. This is important for us to remember. That as we read Ezekiel, and next week we're going to get into chapter 39. As we read Ezekiel, when you fight against God, you are in a no-win situation. No win. In fact, it's kind of interesting that many of the Pharisees who followed Jesus around and made sure that He wasn't teaching against Judaism, many of them became believers because it was God's Word being spoken by Christ. It was the same Scriptures that He was teaching, that they were teaching, but with a new message, a message of grace and mercy and peace. Instead of vying for position and attacking people because of a specific position or desire that you had. Some of the Pharisees and Sadducees were very zealous in their beliefs 
and their Judaistic beliefs. But when the author of Scriptures begins to teach, you find authority, you find grace, you find truth, and you find Jesus Christ as the central figure in the whole Bible. That's God. That's our God whom we worship, whom we love and serve and honor. And hopefully the honor in our lives, in our actions, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Fighting against God is fruitless. He will win. Digging in your heels against Him, He will win. He will win. And like Jacob found out one time when he was wrestling with an angel of the Lord, he was reduced to giving up in the wrestling match because the angel of the Lord was too powerful for him. And in the giving up, he won. He won. That's where we want to be. Give up and win. Heavenly Father, we ask You to bless our time as we go out this week. Let us be mindful of this chapter and the one we're going to be covering next week. These end times prophecies we are watching being fulfilled today. It is not a, it's not a coincidence that there's a, a huge amount of destruction due to due to an earthquake along the Syrian-Turkish border. Syria and Turkey, interestingly enough, with Russia, have formed an alliance, a political alliance, that crosses the lines and the borders of their own countries. Lord, we look forward to the day when you, when you scoop your church out of off this earth that you rapture us and bring us home to you your word tells us that we are not as believers assigned to wrath from you and lord just as just as noah took eight people who he called faithful and set them in a ship and rose above the destruction. Lord, that's what the rapture will do for us. We will be sealed with the Holy Spirit. We'll be taken into Your presence. And the destruction will continue below us. Even as it says here in Ezekiel 38. And there are many that believe that this is the beginning. This is the beginning of those tribulation period, of the great tribulation period. This will be the culmination of all the minor tribulations that the earth is going through. This will be the beginning of the end. Lord, we're ready anytime. We love You and we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and that You would count us worthy to be called Your own. We are Your beloved, Lord. 
And we thank You. We thank You, Lord. Go before us this week and be blessed. Give us boldness to speak Your name and to share Your Word, to encourage others, to turn others around, to be able to come home to You. We love You in Jesus' name. Amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Thy way may be known upon earth and Thy saving health among all nations. Sooner or later, they'll all get it. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.